Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Change Book Radio Show with your host, work-life balance expert, Deb Crow. Join Deb every week as she interviews the co-authors and experts from all over the globe. They'll share their insights into self-empowerment with their personal stories and real-life experiences that will help you on your own personal development and touch every area of your life. Join Deb every Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Eastern. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Changebook Radio Show. It's April the 4th, 2018, and there's no April Fools here at all. We have a new sound. We have a new look. We have a new time slot in the afternoon. We have a new guest, and I'm so eager to tell you who our 2018 sponsor is for the month of April. It is the Og Mandino Leadership Institute such a great corporate sponsor falling in line with all that they offer and they are giving you access to their habit finder. So visit the episode info and pick yourself up that URL habitfinder.com forward slash change. I find this episode today is very serendipitous. You're going to see the link of ebbing, ebbing and flowing as I like to call it especially when I'm speaking about work-life balance, which everyone knows is my passion. And I'm interviewing a fellow co-author from book seven, and his name is David Norris. Let me tell you a little bit about him, and then I'll share with you my serendipitous thoughts that I was having as I was preparing for this interview. David Norris is a banker, an outlaw biker. He's a Rotarian, a husband, a father, a grandfather, a leader, and he has also served in the United States Marine Corps. David has extensive experience in leadership positions in both the corporate world of banking and also in the volunteer, volunteer world of Rotary International. So, David, welcome to the Changebook Radio Show. Thank you, Deb. I'm very excited to be here. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, I just... I'm- Quite honestly, I just got chills talking about this. I'm just honored and grateful for this opportunity. Thank you. Well, it's my pleasure. And, you know, the show is now two and a half years old. And this month, we have decided to implement lots of changes. So you are the first interview for me in the afternoon time slot. So how exciting is that for me? (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, it's exciting for me. Uh, it's, uh, that's why I say it's good to be me, you know, and I didn't know I was the first one, but now that I think about it, it is the new time slot. And, uh, it's also really great to, to hear that, uh, Ogbandino leadership is, is behind this because I, I've always heard, uh, 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 the greatest salesman in the world. 
and 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 I was starting reading it, but I knew I'd seen it somewhere before, and I found it in a very innocuous, uh, hidden place in my library of books. I have my dad's copy that he bought in the late 60s when I believe it came out, and it's still got his name in it and his address and stuff like that. So it's very special, and it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, stuff that I put out over the years, especially that book there. So, yeah. Well, I have... I have to agree with you, and Dave Blanchard is the CEO, and he is a colleague and a friend, and I'm happy that you brought that up because 2018 is the 50th anniversary of The Greatest Salesman in the World, and it has sold over 25 million copies, and it's in 25 languages now. So how special that you you found your dad's copy and... It's one of those books, Dave, that I think we should read every year. It would be a good habit to have, absolutely. And that's actually what a lot of, of going through the book like that, that's exactly what it does, is to help you do in whatever it is you're doing, sales, whatever. It's truly the installing of better habits. So outstanding. This is exciting. Absolutely. Well, you've just led into my first question. So, My background is neurology, and I love the word metacognition. And metacognition is literally cognition about cognition, or an easier way, thinking about thinking, knowing about knowing, or becoming aware of one's awareness. And it's a higher order of thinking. And the reason I love this is when I I think of Dave, And I think about your chapter in book seven. I know that a lot of us in the change book series are coaches. And I know that some of us, you know, steer off into a certain niche. But I know that you focus on mindset, really, which is that metacognition piece. So tell us a little bit, because I know you deem yourself to be an executive leadership development coach, but you and I have chatted, and it's really the work you do on mindset. So give our listeners a little overview of, of the work that you're doing now, and what is the greatest reward that you get from doing this work? Well, let, let me go with the greatest reward first, Deb, because it, it is watching my clients grow and transform and, and move closer and closer to their goals and also and in doing that, I mean, that, that's just, you know, I just get chills thinking about it, internet high five type of stuff. I'm just, it, it's so much fun to watch them grow uh, and, and accomplish their business goals, their personal goals, their health goals, their family goals, uh, and then what they do with their time and treasure. That, that is, that's the fun part of all of this. But in, in working with the, what, what I call the six inches between their ears, it, and it really doesn't matter at, at what level or business or anything. Uh, sometimes people say, well, you coach bankers. Well, no, strangely, I have one banker as a client. I, I'm working with people who they may not know what metacognition is, but I call it teaching them to notice what they're noticing. And I'm not talking about what's no, what, notice what they're noticing as to what's going on around them. I'm talking about notice what you're noticing going on inside you. And find that still small voice in there that is is talking to them. That and, and it's the voice. Call it the voice of God, voice of the universe, whatever you want to call it. But it, it is that voice of longing and discontent for something 
better, for something more, for something better than current conditions and circumstances dictate, because that's really what even business people do, whether, whether they're in industrial electrical contracting, uh, medicine, uh, center pivot irrigation, truck parts, oil and gas, wind energy, uh, or, or even corporate executives, uh, say like sales executives at Hewlett Packard or, or the owner of a, of a retail store. That there's a longing and discontent, and when they can learn to listen to that right there, which is I'm going to say is the voice of truth as to who they really are, then they can really start peeling back and, and knocking everything else out to create a clear and compelling vision for what it is they truly love. And that's a very powerful question right there. And, and I asked them this, what would you love? What would you love in your business? What would you love in your relationships? What would you love in your health and well-being? And let's get a clear and compelling vision around that that will come from listening to whatever longing and discontent they may have in these in these four areas. But then it, it is to, well, without a clear and compelling vision, no priorities can be set nor plans made. And that and that's the part right there. So I tell people that you know no matter what their conditions and circumstances or situation, and by the way, we all have those. Whatever those conditions, circumstances, and situations are, there's always something they can do where they are, they have, and you, you, you get them to talking about it and listening to the still small voice, they find out very rapidly that they have way more than they think they have because there's always something that they can do in that. And I get fired up about it uh, and helping them knock the other voices away, the, the voices of their paradigms and their, the voices of their habitual thinking and their voices of looking to their checkbook and their calendar uh, for permission to do something that they want to do. And this applies for people no matter where they are in life, regardless of age, sex, ethnicity, uh, 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 education level. Like uh, of my active clients, two-thirds of them are high school uh, graduates only. That, and so they, they come up and say, I, I want to grow my business. I'm successful, but I want more success. But I never went to college. Okay, well, we can fix that real quick either, but that's not going to be – that's not the answer to your problem. Uh, that, that, that's not the thing. So in other words, they have a, a self-limiting belief about themselves, and you see this in the health side. I'm too, I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. I'm too out of shape. You, you, this is about peeling away all the excuses and working with what they have and getting them set on a thing. And, and I use this from John Maxwell. He says your success is determined by your daily agenda. And nothing in your life is going to change until you change something you do daily. And sometimes that, and more often than not, that change that they do daily is in their thinking, the six inches between their ears. Oh, boy, I don't even know where to start. I've just been writing and writing and writing. One of the things that I love that you talk about is self-limiting beliefs. And I, I just want yeah. to dig a little deeper because I think it's important for our listeners to hear this because not everyone has a coach. So if we can give a little tool to our listeners today as a takeaway, self-limiting beliefs can come from various sources. And I think the foundation or the concrete is the self-esteem that one holds for themselves, their, their own self-evaluation or emotional evaluation. And that can come from thoughts, relationships, 
childhood, that whole healing the inner child piece and life experiences. And, and I know that we both as coaches see this as a repetitive pattern of behavior. And it's not always easy to pull away those layers because you land up getting into the depths of all the different elements that I just spoke of. So mm-hmm. what is one strategy that you could share with our listeners who may be on this path or starting to even take that first big step in recognizing the self-limiting belief and are ready to move forward and do one thing? Oh, that's a great question, Deb, because it's really simple. Uh, I'll back up and say one is Hopefully, you know, if they're listening to this radio show, uh, that, that's a good step right there just because that tells me that they're actually wondering about some steps and what they can do. But the thing is, I, I talk about it's the metacognition. It's to notice what you're noticing and learning to determine, learning, noticing that, 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 oh, my, I'm thinking a self-limiting thought. I'm thinking that this is this – is, I'm not thinking. I'm thinking in my old habitual pattern. I'm thinking that I don't have the money, and and there may be some things there. But that's when you actually interrupt that pattern, and go, no, dang it! You know, it's pressing. It's learning to notice what you're noticing, and recognizing that you're thinking some self-limiting thought or self-limiting belief or some old paradigm or, or, or habitual thought pattern is coming in, and you find your internal pause button. Wherever, whatever that may be, and I use that because you say, no, no, stop it. Stop it right now. That was then. This is now. And repeat what it is that you say you want and take an action step in that direction. Now, let's say what, what, probably the two most self-limiting beliefs that, that, I, that, that people have, and I've seen this across the broad spectrum of business and, and, and personal lives, is – well, I don't have the time, and I don't have the money. Well, a lot of times that's just an excuse. More often than not, it's a, their paradigms moving in. And the thing is that yes, they do have the time. We all have the time. Everybody has the same amount of time. Eighty-six thousand four hundred seconds every day. We all have the time. And money, maybe not right now, but if you say you don't have the money, you can take an action step to get your personal budget under control or your business budget under control, and there's something that you can do that. You can always take an action step, and it is the taking of an action step that helps diminish and ultimately replace the self-limiting thought with the thought of the truth, which is that person's goals, desires, and aspects of how they serve the world and other people, not to mention themselves. I kind of rambled there a little bit, but those self-limiting beliefs, they also come from, from people, uh, parents, uh, friends, relatives. They come from all kinds of places and are generally designed to keep us safe. You know, growing up, you know, my parents, had, you know, they made mistakes and they didn't want me to make the same mistakes. So we have a lot of them. And some of the most common ones are, are you know, uh, good things come to those who wait. Well, <laughs> you're going to be waiting a long time. Look before you leap. Money doesn't grow on trees. Um, there's tons of them out there. Oh, my favorite. What will the neighbors think? Yeah, <laughs> the, the, these thoughts right here, th- those are the really broad spectrum ones. But right, if people say, well, this isn't a good time. They, they're waiting to see a self-limiting thought is, well, let's wait and see what, 
who wins an election, or let's wait to see what the stock market does, or let's wait to see uh, if certain – oh, my favorite, which I totally ignored, is you have to work until you're age 65 before you can do anything you want to do. And the thing about it is, is that if, if people really want – have a passion about something or want to make a change in their life, they will learn to notice what they're noticing – and learn to start telling the subconscious mind, no, that was then, this is now. And that's a very powerful technique. That, you know, notice what you're noticing. That was then. Th- Let me back up. Notice what you're noticing. Press the internal pause button. Say to yourself, no, that was then, this is now, and what action step can I take right now? That action step is the key right there. Not take an action step tomorrow. Take an action step now. And sometimes it's a matter of just picking up a piece of paper uh, and, and writing down action steps that, that you could take. I was talking with a client earlier today who's really talking about um, his health. And he is, he, he's a corporate executive. He was talking about his health, and he's tired of his Airdyne bike because it's old and rusty and it's falling apart, and he wants to look into a gym. And I said, well, when did you make this decision to look into a gym? Oh, about two weeks ago. Have you called the gym that you want? No. When are you going to call that gym? So it's about. He, so in other words, he knew he had it. He had a longing and discontent around his exercise equipment, but he never took the action step to call the thing. And that's that's where coaches come in. If you do this on your own, it's it's a little more. It's a lot more challenging, but it is it is that right there. It is taking an action step, just like I said previously. It, you can. Uh, there's always something you can do where you are with what you have, and you always have way more than you think you have. Well, I, I like the uh, comparisons that you used, and, and I know that you talked about them in your chapter. Those mental games of comparison and validation, oh, never yeah. good enough, try harder. And uh-huh. I think that a lot of us, both in the baby boomer generation and the generation right after Gen X, I think we heard those because our parents had heard those and that became Uh the norm, if you will, for parenting. So I think there's some generational lack of coping strategies that were often used in our parents' and grandparents' times, if you will, And Uh I love what you said. If you're going to make a statement, you've got to have an action plan to execute it. Otherwise, it's just going to turn into uh, what I call a time-lapsed excuse, which is what you just mentioned with your client Uh in the gym membership. And Uh for me, when I coach on work-life balance, all of those elements of balance, whether it's your work life, how you're eating, how you're treating your body, your self-care, your spiritual time, all the different elements, they all have to be in sync and ebb and flow. And it was just such a great example that you gave of, of how you do your coaching. And I, I think it's a, it's a tool to give to our listeners today that are, are listening in. And I want to shift now and ask you, when you wrote the chapter, Is It Good to Be You for the Change Book series, I wanted to know at that time, I'm thinking this was 2015, late 2015, early 2016, when book seven came out, what was your mindset and, and how easy was it to write the chapter? And I have to know where the title came from. 
<laughs> well, if you if you ask my mom, she'll tell you I've said it's good to be me for a long, long time. Uh, and I had been in the in, in learning to work, uh, learning about coaching business, learning the public speaking. And actually, uh, I was at the Sheraton LAX in Los Angeles, California, at a Les Brown event. Les is my public speaking coach and mentor and dear friend. And I was just tickled silly that he called me uh, back late. Uh, late January, and, and we caught up after a long period of time. But we were up uh, with the event was over, and there were five of us up at the very top of the thing in his room. And uh, you know, here it is in Texas time. It was like two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. It's one o'clock California time, uh, and I, I'm in the room with some very powerful speakers. Les Brown's in the room, and I'm just sitting there, and uh, I kind <laughs> of got this this grin on my face. And Les says, "What's going on?" And I just said, gosh, I'm here in the room. I've got Les Brown and Dr. Julie and, and, and Clifton Anderson and Larry Trott. And, and I'm just, you know, it's 3 o'clock in the morning back home. And I'm here in Los Angeles with Les Brown and these wonderful people. You know, it's just good to be me. And that's when Les looked at me and said, that's it right there. That's what you use right there. It's good to be you. And I say that, and I mean it with every fiber of my being, Deb, that it is good to be me. I am very good at being me. Nobody else in the world is as good at being me as I am at being me. Besides that, everyone else is taken. And it is so good being me that I've got people lining up outside my door just to have one of my bad days because my bad days are still pretty doggone good. And I am now selling tickets to my world. That's how good it is to be me. And that's why I want people to understand to reach inside and find their inner greatness for whatever it is they want to accomplish and pull that out because it is good to be you and, and learn to take control of your day. You know, I, people spend a lot of time at work. There, there's not a lot they can do sometimes in that, we'll just say eight hour time span at work, but you can control what you can control. Find out what that is. If you're eating fast food or something like that uh, every day for lunch and it's really starting to weigh on you, literally, then make a shift. If you're always going out with people, if you're putting away a six-pack every afternoon, things like that, and this is not serving you, make a shift. Decide. Cut away from it. That's what the word decision means. It means to cut off and start cutting off these things that are not serving you because, and if you, what would you call it? The time lapse excuse. What will happen is, you know, some people live to be 90 years old, but more often than not, they're living the same year over and over 90 times. And this is about putting your foot down and making a decision to cut away from and making some sacrifices, sacrifice being the exchange of something of great value for something of even greater value so that when you come to the end of life, you don't look back and say, I wish I had. This is, this is about making the maximum impact on the world. This is about being better today than you were yesterday and better tomorrow than you were today. And if for some reason you're not better today than you were yesterday, then you will work to be better tomorrow than you are today. It, you, know, you get a series of best put together, you get better. And that's what this is. This is about being clear on what it is you want, regardless of your conditions and circumstances, and taking control of everything. One thing, Deb, that's not in that book, that shall we say got, that, you know, with the, well, I think we have a 3,000-word limit, and something had to hit the floor. During that time frame that I talk about in my chapter, 
is the part is what I weighed 225 pounds. I had prostate issues. I had acid reflux. My knees hurt. My hips hurt because of all of the added weight I'm carrying around. And on top of that, I'm having migraine headaches of a frequency and severity that I'm taking pain medication like they're breath mints. And I and my doctor, who became a client afterwards, he's 14 years older than me, wonderful man, and he uh, put me through every test known to man, medical science, known to medical science. At the end of the day, he, he said, there, medically, there's nothing wrong with you. And I said, well, make them go away. And he said, well, they're not going to go away. And it made me matter in hell about the thing. We laugh about it now. I wanted to choke him. But he said, nothing's going to change until you change. And that's when I, dang, I'm not going to, I don't want to live like this. And so, you know, so you eat right. You get to the gym. You take control of your calendar. You take control of your checkbook. You can learn to control what you can control. And you get very specific and very clear about what it is you want. And as a result, I now weigh 175 pounds, uh, no acid reflux, no prostate issues. My knees don't hurt. I play soccer with my 10-year-old granddaughter, and I can still take her. You know, we have a lot of fun. doesn't hurt my knees. doesn't hurt the ankles. We, um, and I haven't had a migraine headache in five years, nor any prescription medications in five years, because I consciously decided to cut everything away that was not serving the way I wanted to live. And there is so much that we can all control, and that includes at work. Somebody that says they don't have 10 minutes of their own, oh, come on, let's talk about that. I'm going to challenge the conviction of that belief real quick. Well, I shared with you before we went live that this was going to be a very serendipitous conversation. So insert another, another example I myself was 200 pounds in 2015, and my right knee was my two knees Uh together. That's how big it was. I could hardly walk. And my blood pressure was through the roof, and it was the same self-awakening that you had. It was like, okay, you need to do something, or all of these things are going to basically succumb you. And I was 48 when I started at the gym. And I had said to everybody, or I was 49, sorry. I had said to everybody on my 50th birthday, which would have been the following May, eight months later, because I started on Halloween, I'm going to be in shape better than I was at 30. And I had all the naysayers and all my fitness friends giving me the pat on the back going, good luck. Well, I lost 57 pounds. And... I was more fit than I was in my 20s and 30s. I never had to go Uh on blood pressure medication. And like you, my my knees are now doing what 30-year-old knees are doing. And the point is, I was in that same position as you. And I have a coach. I think all of us, every coach should have a coach. And But you have to take that independent stance and get rid of those self-limiting beliefs. Because even though we're coaches, we still have metacognition. We still have off days. We have our moments where we're not happy 24-7. We just know what strategies and tools to implement to make that quick change that you talked about. And And another thing that's interesting is you never know where you're going to go or what you don't know. And 
in one month's time, I will be graduating and become a certified yoga teacher. If you had said that to me two years ago, I would have belly laughed at you and said, come on, Dave, no way. But what I've learned is that when you're open to new things coming into your life and different modalities of whatever may may be serving you or you want to serve you will appear. And I had the misconception that I had to be a fitness instructor to, to take yoga training. Not at all. I had to have an open mind and the willingness to put in a hard work and complete 200 hours. And what I've learned from the pillars and the philosophy of yoga is all of our physical ailments truly stem from emotional illness inside which is those self-limiting beliefs and when you keep packing them down over time your body's going to say I've had enough of this and it will manifest into whatever and I know you've seen it with your clients I've seen it with my clients and one of the things that I want to ask you about is I think where you and I are also similar is we always serve wherever we've been. I have volunteered since I was 12 years old. I know that you actively work professionally, whether you're a coach or when you were in banking, it doesn't matter. You've always served and that's been linear for you. I choose to go to hospice every week because that's where my heart and soul just gets fired up. And I, to me, it's an honor and a privilege to be with people at the end of their life. And I know that your passion and heart is, is wrapped around Rotary. So I would love for you to share with the listeners your love for volunteering and that it fits into your work life beautifully, much like it does mine. And how did that all come to fruition? And again, what do you get from that? Well, again, it's watching people succeed. But when they, when they make when they finally make the decision that they can do something, but to to me, Rotary became the highest and best leadership development training ground I think I've ever seen, and that's a lot coming from an old Marine officer. Because it's when you get into the service of other people and leading volunteers that your leadership capacity and ability will be be drawn out and honed and and sharpened. Because when you're leading volunteers, you have nothing but your own ability to influence other people to get the job done. And when you can learn to and increase and to deal with the challenges, it's not all sunshine, roses, and lollipops in the volunteer world. There's as many egos and other things like that as there are in the business world uh, as there is in the non-for-profit world. But to be able to push a project forward, say you're drilling a water well in in Africa or you're you're helping raise food for snack pack for kids or things like that, you you actually can learn and grow yourself while serving other people. And a lot of people don't get it. They think it's just some something to add to their resume or something like that. No, you can actually grow yourself by working in the volunteer world. The the executive that I was talking about a while ago, he he has learned that he does have the time, and he goes to a place here in Amarillo, Texas called Faith City Ministries, and he serves lunch at least one day a week to people uh, there at the at the 
mission or ministry of people coming out of prison and drug addicts and, you know, homeless moms and, you know, single parents, you know, uh, kicked out of the house, you know, just any number of people that have a condition and circumstance, and he's there to serve them. But that can also, by serving others, you can grow to your highest and best self. And, and you can do it. And, and it's all the same thing from, from growing a rotary club to growing a business to growing yourself. What would you love? You know, and it's getting into that question and listening for the answer through metacognition. Notice what you're noticing, whatever the longing and discontent is, is that you can accomplish, when you do that, you can actually accomplish great things. Plus you grow personally because you realize that you really do have the time. And the more you serve others, the more you serve others, the more you serve yourself. It's just, it's, it's an amazing thing. You see it at hospice, which is a wonderful, wonderful organization. Um, yeah. And, and that, across the country, many, many, many communities have hospice facilities and they're just absolutely fantastic. But it's, it's when, when, when you serve others, that's, you serve your, you're, you're literally serving yourself. And I believe it's in Ogmandino's book, The Greatest Salesman in the World, that the word sales actually means to serve. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And when I go there, it doesn't matter how booked my week is. I'm a direct service volunteer. So I work right beside the nurses and the personal support workers. And I bring my gregarious personality and my love for life. And there's a lot of laughter and a lot of life being lived. And as one of my beautiful residents said to me one day, we're going to, we're going to have fun to the last breath. And I just thought that was so beautifully framed. And I told her that I'm, I'm going to talk about that and share that with everybody that I can. And a lot of people will say to me, how can you go there? Isn't it depressing? And, you know, I, I, I look at them and say, have you ever been? Oh, no, I couldn't no. go. And I said, well, then you need to go because perception can really misconstrue what something really is. And if you've ever had the pleasure of being in a hospice, whether it's in volunteer or through a friend or a family member, it's truly a beautiful end of life experience for that person. It very much is because I was, uh, my dad was in hospice in 2006 uh, on the backside of pancreatic cancer. And he was in there for, you know, four or five, four days, five days. And I was there with him the whole time. The, the staff was just absolutely amazing. And I was there when he drew his last breath. And, uh, and I wouldn't have been able to do it without the wonderful people of hospice of Wichita Falls. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, that's beautiful to hear. Now, we've got about five minutes left, and I want to ask you a couple of things. I have, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for sharing your, you. latest, your latest ebook with us, and I've got the uh, URL for people on the episode info to go there and download it, and it is called Three Life-Changing Actions to Create Success in Every Area of Life. So give us a little overview of when you wrote this. And I see you use it as a tool for part of your coaching practice. So tell us a little bit about it. 
Well, what it was is I, I'm, I'm learning to do some things, such as write blogs and things like that. Uh, and really what I did was I had three blogs that I wrote early 2017, and I combined them for this right here. And it's just just from my point of view, from my uh, from as I look back on things that I've done, is that this right here is what I believe. What and, and I, it's it's of course with my coaching clients now, it, it's all coming out. But you know, it's important. We talked about this earlier. It's important to recognize your blocks or success block is or what I'm talking here. And let's define success right quick. Success is nothing more than the steady progression towards a worthy idea. Okay. Success is progress. Uh, but a lot of people that their success gets blocked, but if you recognize them or have the metacognition, notice what you're noticing. Now you, you can do, do some stuff. You used um, time lapse excuse, you know, that's the number one success block that I talk about here, only I call it staying asleep at the wheel of your life. And the thing to overcome it is to get intentionally curious about what you would love. And so it's understanding. It's not not thinking about the right things. This is everybody has thoughts, but not everybody thinks. And to overcome it, you know, before you get sucked into the busyness of the schedule, you know, take five minutes to give serious, focused thought on what you can do that day to either experience the thing you, you desire or to move towards the life that you want. This this right here is exactly what we've been talking about here, Deb, on this, following the crowd. You know, that's, you know, staying in the common herd. Uh, this is where I talk about decide to cut off. Uh, you, you make some serious decisions. Procrastination is, is a killer, and procrastination is – the one thing here, – here's what I'll tell you about procrastination, how to overcome it. Get mad about it and really get into what you – get in touch. When I say what would you love, this is about a value proposition to yourself. And if you really want to make some changes, if you really want to stop the bad habits and install the new habits and, and accomplish what it is, whatever it is you say you want, either in your business, in your job, in your career – in, in your relationships and your health and your well-being and what you do with your time and your money freedom is to make that one of your personal core values because when you do that, that's when you'll pay attention to it and cut everything else away. But this book right here, and then, of course, I go into mentors and coaching uh, as well because it is probably, I think, the most challenging thing. This is why New Year's resolutions don't work is that people try to do it as a lone ranger. And it, it, it doesn't work very well. This is where mentors and coaches can come in and truly help you do this. I, I use a personal trainer because I know I will not do it on my own. But I do have the discipline to go to my personal trainer three times a week, and we pump the iron and do the aerobics, and, and I don't, still don't like leg day, <laughs> but, but that's okay. Uh, my health and well-being and by the way, just so everybody knows, I just turned 64 years old. I left the corporate world, walked away from it, um, from a job that people would kill to have at age 60. Just left. And I'm, I'm still friends with everybody, but that's the thing. And like you, Deb, I have the strength, health, vitality, flexibility, and endurance and stamina of a 32-year-old. 
And it's all because I made the decision to do it, and everybody else can't. Last thing about the Lone Ranger, because I know we're running out of time, is that Lone Ranger does not work. That's one thing that people have to really do have to give up is that they're, they're, I can do this myself syndrome. And invest in themselves. Yes, you will pay attention to what you pay, pay, pay for. You pay attention to that car you buy. You know, you'll pay attention to the television you buy. But if you invest in yourself, and I talk about this in, in the ebook, then and, and obtain a mentor, obtain a coach, then your goals and things will actually come about much, much faster in doing that. My, when you're the Lone Ranger, you're, you're, you're lone only to yourself. There's other people around you. And my wife, Candace, summed it up very well one day when she said, you are not the Lone Ranger. You are more like the Lone Ranger's horse. It's specifically the south end of Silver when he's walking north. So my wife is an expert in horse anatomy, telling me I was acting like a horse is behind. Uh, <laughs> and that really put, yeah, yeah. And, and so this is why getting specific and making the investment and getting clear on what you want in that. So anyway, I'm sorry. I talk too much and I love it, but I get pumped about this stuff. I'm passionate about it. And I am living I still got conditions and circumstances, Deb. I just look at them differently than other people, and I work to resolve them. But I am literally – it is good to be me because I am having the time of my life. As far as income well, goes, I'm in very – I can, very I can hear it. I can hear I, it in I'm your in, voice, my friend. I'm in the, I'm in the million-dollar club now, and in the three years that I've been actively coaching, going into my fourth year now, in the three years – I've more than doubled what I would have made that time as a banker because I'm well, doing what I love. Well, and it shows. And I, I wanted to, I wanted to leave the interview and find a special quote for you on serving because I, I think it's quite perfect for you. And I found one by Albert Einstein and it says, only a life lived in the service to others is worth living. And I think that sums up, David Absolutely. Norris very well. Thank so you. it's an, I, I, it's an it's an honor to be a co-author with you in the Change Book series and thank you for spending my first afternoon radio show with me and well, I know I know we're going to be in touch and good things are to come for both of us in 2018 and you just keep on being you and I'll keep on being me. How's that? And that's right Deb, remember it's good to be you. Absolutely. <laughs> it is good to be you. Well, you have an awesome day. Thank you very much. And thanks to everybody for listening again. Appreciate it so very much. Be well. Just such a great interview with David Norris from Book 7. And I just encourage all of you to visit our episode info and download his free ebook. And he gives you three life-changing actions. And it's 31 pages of richness and great information. And I want to thank our April sponsor, Ogmandino Leadership Institute. They are the official Ogmandino company. Their website is ogmandino.com. And they have the exclusive worldwide rights to the use of Ogmandino's name on the internet and in all forms. And this month, they are giving away the Habit Finder. So if you are ready to get a profile of yourself and really dig deep and go below the surface of personality and performance with scientifically measured habits of thinking, 
The link is up on the episode uh, info page. It is habitfinder.com forward slash change. So I want to thank you for, for joining me at the Changebook Radio Show. This has been our first afternoon episode with David Norris, and I really enjoyed my time with you today. And I look forward to being back here with you next Wednesday at 3 p.m. when we will have one of our expert speakers joining us. So have a great week, everybody. And as David Norris says, is it good to be you? I think so. Take take care. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.